There you go. There's the music. There's the music. Uh, I don't know if this is uploading, just as an FYI. I think it is. It says zero on my thing. We'll be all right. Hello, and welcome to Still Unsponsored. I'm Chris. Hi. I'm Zach. How you doing, Zach? <laughs> I'm fine. Oh, there it goes. 99%. Oh, there we go. Okay. We're still trying to figure out Riverside. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure it likes... Uh, you know what? It's probably the Brave browser. It's probably freaking out with the script or something. This is this is now a podcast about Riverside FM. <laughs> Still unsponsored. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the show notes of our last podcast was an affiliate link, so not sponsored, but you know. Where's my cut? Yeah. Well, there needs to be a cut first. Okay. Well, we'll get there. Yeah. What? What it is? One what, what is half of zero? It's a half a zero. It's, it's, yeah, the Excel divide by zero error. Yeah. Yeah. Div. All right. Div zero. So this podcast, I thought we'd do two things. So and one will kind of lead to the other. Um, years ago, we did a podcast on how to run an excellent promo. And I think a lot of those items still stand. In fact, Zach. Yes. I had Chris. an employee that had seen my presentation on oh here we digital go summit. here we go live in did person. you did you also then tell them that you're affiliated with the world-renowned author zach that's been published in multiple magazines like forbes and affiliate summit i would happily tell them that and how <laughs> Why you got you? published in those uh well, world-renowned you... publications <laughs> hey <laughs> because hey, i don't think matter. that actually so, for reference, we're saying that you paid to play. And I don't think that that reflects poorly on you. I think it more reflects poorly on the publication. Yeah. Yeah. To each their own, I guess. Yeah. Hey, yeah, affiliate, exactly. affiliate the, whatever that newsletter was, that was not paid. That was legitimate. They wanted my, my thinking. My just brain like, stuff. Just like the world-renowned podcast, still unsponsored. Yeah, exactly. I don't know why. I don't know why they still want me on the show, but here I am. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it's uh, a week before Thanksgiving, something like that. Actually, depending on when this is published, it might actually be the week of Thanksgiving. Ooh. So TBD. We'll, we'll see. Whenever you're listening to this, this is when it's at. Uh, year 2022, because yeah. by the time you listen to it, it might be like 2025. Because right, there's exactly. just so much exciting content on this right. podcast that you have to make your way through. Right, exactly. So, you know, go back and listen to, you know, our five-year-old podcast on running promos. Uh, yeah. But what we wanted to do was talk a little bit about updates to Black Friday promos, what we're seeing out there in the marketplace. Because since that, one of the major trends since that first podcast was published was just the inevitable creep forward, where Black Friday kind of became like, the week before which just kind of became all of november and so now when hopefully you're planning your promo in august you are looking at launching like november one well <laughs> at costco at costco i think they had the christmas trees out like right after fourth of july right which is a little <laughs> bit different from like you know 
I mean, I had a neighbor that had their Christmas tree up uh, on Halloween, but I think that's like just, you know, <laughs> holiday creep. Uh, well, shopping is the same thing too. It's yeah. just gonna be like, it's gonna be Q4. It's just gonna be Q4. Right, so when did you start actually planning your promos this year? Well, my, my promos are very simple. Uh, so planning, probably July, August, execution, a few weeks ago. They're, they're very simple promos. Uh, but it's all about the timing and the staging and understanding what you're, you're doing. So like we kicked off a couple of promos a lot earlier and I've been seeing that across the board that, yeah, as you mentioned, like November, that's the time. That's, that's one major thing. I think a lot of companies too are looking at Q4. I mean, they're trying to get everything in before the end of the year. Right. And so there's a lot of uncertainty in the economy Mm -hmm. and, uh, do what you can these last couple months of the year. So every, every, Every day makes a difference. The other thing too is this year compared to last, by the way, I think there's like one less week between uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas. So I think it's a compressed timetable this year as well. So it's like a double. Well, the other anomaly is that like Cyber Week and or Cyber Monday is not in December. Right. Yeah. Everything's like compressed this year. Yeah. So that means that the benefit of the promos is not necessarily hitting your December. It's hitting all of November, which Mm -hmm. might make for really good numbers in november if you do it right yeah but also then you're gonna have to come up with game plan for december or just bucket in q4 and call it a win right right exactly exactly so there's uh, i mean that's the other thing i want to talk about because impact radius sent out what i thought was a kind of hilarious email and we'll get to that um chris i believe it's called impact now they dropped the radius okay well, they're world class, and they drop. Hey, the you know radius. what? I still call it AdWords, so I'm not I'm not giving up <laughs> on the old branding. <laughs> I just I just want people to know how. Uh, Back in my day, it was called Overture Double Click. <laughs> now it's Google Ads. You guys, you guys use that that Omniture or the Urchin? <laughs> the uh, Urchin. <laughs> the, the Urchin Analytics. <laughs> urchin Analytics. Back in my day. Yeah. 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 Okay, so you started planning in July, and yeah. then you started executing a few weeks ago. I think, yes, yeah, and you are. We, both of us have these like kind of weird transitionary zones between B two B and B two C, right? So you your customers are very more B two C ish, right? I would classify them more B two C, yeah, or sorry, D two C. Do they B2C. think of themselves as a business? Um, yeah, probably a lot of them do. Uh, you know, it's a lot of the mom and pa shops, that type of thing. Um, but how much how much revenue are they actually generating? And oh. or is the thing that you're selling them a service for their primary income? No, it's it's probably like back in the... Well, I shouldn't say that. I, 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 I think it varies. I think it's probably back like when you and I were in the hosting world. Similar situation. It's a lot of people that have ideas. Yeah, there we go. There's your... You're still wearing that old swag, huh? Yeah. Uh... <laughs> It was cold today, so I put on yeah. put on the old company swag. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a lot of you know very small businesses, entrepreneurs, uh, folks that are just trying to build a web presence. So whether you're a blogger or small business or consultant, whatever, uh, you're probably using our tools. And so, yeah, I think they think of themselves as a business. Is it the primary income? Some folks, yes. Some folks, no. But it's much more of a um, call it like an impulse buy, so to speak, where it's it's not. It's not through a traditional sales cycle. There's not a sales team. It's it's e-commerce. Um, so yeah, I would say it's much more consumer buyer behavior. 
And I think you're kind of in the same boat too. It's very, with you the, have more with of a sales team and everything so, else. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're, so we're in real estate, um, which is fun for topic two. Uh, but the, I would, I would say that the difference is the price points obviously a lot higher. Um, and if the person takes their purchase seriously, it has a pretty profound impact on how they do their job and, and their job, it's like a service for their job that is generally their primary income. Yeah. So they could, and this is kind of the wild thing is like they could essentially make an impulse purchase that kind of affects their next, you know, their next year of performance. And we would, yeah, would tend to say that, you know, very positively impact their, their next year of performance. But it is an interesting nexus between the consumer buying behavior and kind of business impact. And, and these yeah. people very much live in this gray zone. They are, they are a, I mean, I think this is an important point for all B2B marketers to remember. You're not selling to businesses. There's no such, in my mind, there's no such thing as selling to a business. A business does not make a buying decision. People in businesses make a buying decision. So even if you're selling something in an enterprise situation, you're still trying to make the key decision makers feel good about their decision so they sign on the line, right? So yeah, I, I think through that lens, it all, it all sort of makes sense. Good point. That was very yeah. deep. There, there's your nugget for the day, and we're got, we're done. There's there, there, there's the music. Uh, well, whoa, we got a well, pushed the wrong button. Hey, well, that hey. will need to be edited out. <laughs> whoa, that was awesome. Uh, do you have a self applause on your meetings? Is that what that's for? When yeah, you have a, exactly, when you say something, that is exactly what that's for. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. How did I know that? Jeez. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, in terms of planning and execution i think we've been we've been for us it's not black friday cyber monday is not that big of a deal because of the space that we live in and we don't want to give up the revenue like a like a retail company would for for us it has like a more direct impact if we were to like do an 80 percent discount or something like that um and so we don't want to do that um so it's more like figuring out the right positioning and the right ancillary offers that are going to make the package come together and and at least at the stage that we're at that's a a more real-time decision so we've been thinking would you about say this you for... put together big packages no i no. i'm not sure where you're trying to go there zach but i'm not going to take the bait <laughs> come on oh i show my own applause now <laughs> you you can oh, applaud yourself uh, all right well we'll do it later be, okay. be my guest okay so yeah, so we've been thinking about it for about a month, and then we've been working on it for, um, you know, off and on, but like off and on for like two weeks, and then really heavily for the last like week or so. Yeah. And then what we're trying to do is we're trying to get it, you know, again, since we're since we're in a more B2B space, you know, people are not going to be buying on Thanksgiving. They'll be back at their desk on Cyber Monday. And so we're trying to automate all of it. So by the end of this week, we're basically going to be able to go eat turkey and all the messaging will go out automatically and we'll just have to watch to make sure that we don't need to make so that's the important key part is watching and so i purpose well so i purposely have not automated a lot of this stuff um Mm. because things can go wrong uh things can go wrong 
So depending on your ESP and everything, there's just a lot of nuances that sometimes things pop up uh, that you're not expecting. Case in point, I will leave the ESP out. I will not tell them, you know, say what the name is. But um, I remember last year we sent out an email and I pushed send, right? Send mm-hmm. now. Boop. Uh, it didn't go out for like an hour and a half because it was so backlogged yeah. with all of the other companies sending out emails on Black Friday. Uh, so now that I know that, I know that, okay, if I'm sending out a message on Black Friday, I actually need to schedule it, right? And so I need to make sure that I pull my list. It's accurate up until when I pull it, because there's also some nuances there with contacts. If they take activity on your website during your promo period, you have to update your list so that it all makes sense, all that good stuff. Yep. So I per- long story short, I purposely do things still very manually um, in day-to-day. So if that means I have to sit in front of a computer for a couple hours on Thanksgiving, guess what? I'll be sitting on a computer for a few hours on Thanksgiving. Are uh, you using ES, like, just an ESP to do all this? And so you'll like make an email and schedule it? Or are you using like some sort of marketing automation software, like a HubSpot? It's a, it's a, it's a combo of the two. It's kind of a one-stop one solution. Uh, but then there's also stuff, too, on the websites, you know, things that we're doing there, CRO tests, yep. optimize, all that stuff. You just want to make sure it all... Again, I... I I want to see it with my own eyes. I, I cannot just set it and forget it. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm taking the opposite approach that you are. Uh, I've already planned that I'm not going anywhere for Thanksgiving and typically don't. So I'll be here. But it's just yes. me. I don't know. That's just yes. Me. Yeah. I think, I think for me, we will have, like when the promos are going, there will be eyes on screens. But yeah. I don't want the launch to be contingent on a button being pushed. Like I want, right. I, I, I essentially want us to be like, you know, the hand hovering over the like panic button, not yeah. the like making things go live. Yeah. So that way we can be in a more analytical mode than in a, in a like sort of basic execution mode. Yeah. So that's, that's my theory on automating all of it. It depends that on your tech stack, it does. too. It depends yeah. on your tech stack, what you can do. Well, yeah, so we're using HubSpot, uh, and so we have a ton of ability to automate all sorts of cool stuff, um, and we're working with the sales team. And so the sales team needs to know approximately when messaging is going to start landing. Um, so you make them work over the weekend? How nice of you. No, it'll all happen um, during weekdays. <laughs> hey, you know what? We don't this is this is a real thing like the beast mode sales guys we don't ask them to work over the weekend they just close deals over the weekend oh i feel like you're trying to like insinuate something or i don't know i i mean (laughs) awesome sales guys are awesome sales guys (laughs) I get the deals. You can't handle these. What was that? Gil- what is that you, stupid movie? Uh, you Glenn don't Gary deserve these Ross? leads. These are the you Glenn don't deserve Gary these leads. leads? These are, yeah, exactly. You, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, All right. So basically, we got two tips here. One is Black. Well, not even tips. Just observations. Black Friday is coming much earlier every year, and automation question mark. Yes, automation question mark. We'll see how that plays out. Like we'll do we'll do a Black Friday debrief. Uh, maybe that'll be yeah. our next show, and we'll we'll see how yeah. it all plays out. Um, yeah. So this was my observation, though. I was expecting my inbox to fill up a little bit more than it has. 
Like I've seen some pre-sales, but it doesn't seem like it's from the national retailers. It's kind of like a lot of the online retailers mm-hmm. and it's little bits and pieces. And so I, w- yeah. I was still trying to work out what the, what the, you know, e-com DTC mood was right now. Like if people were thinking about discounting, if they were hurting or if they were just sort of playing it safe, you know, I, I, I don't know. Part you, of, well, part of it, I think, depends on how how nimble as a team you are. So, I mean, if you have a giant marketing team, you know, you can't you can't just change on a dime and say, okay, we're going to push it three weeks early. You know, you just it's kind of baked in. I think a lot of these bigger teams, as you know, they kind of plan things out quarterly and they say, okay, here's where we're going to do all Black Friday planning on Q3 to execute Q4. Mm-hmm. You know, and so. Right. I it'll be interesting to see what happens next year. I'll tell you this though. I remember last year, um, the emails coming out. I think that Thanksgiving week were pretty relentless. So we yeah. still might be a little early because I think a lot of people were starting to go out Wednesday, then Tuesday, and Monday. And I remember even by the end Dev Cyber Monday, I was exhausted. Like legit, I was exhausted. I was like, consumerism sucks. Like I was so exhausted from clicking delete. Your delete thumb was yes. uh, It's actually you know what that's a pro tip. That's a really great time to figure out where you're to subscribe to and hit unsubscribe because you're like, oh, I don't need this. Uh, Because everyone emails during that time. But uh, yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think um, I think we'll start seeing the barrage start next week. I, I think there's a few out there now. Um, I've gotten a couple, you know, now where it's like, oh, Black Friday deals are live early. Grab your pricing now. But yeah, I haven't seen like a whole, whole takeover yet for a lot of companies. Right, and so that's where I was starting to think. Like the creep forward earlier in the year is very obvious. You know, you're a big company with long planning cycles. You're planning six months in advance. You want to get your wallet share. So there's this constant creep forward, 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 forward. But what is the what is the theory for moving backwards, especially if you are looking at the economic forecast and thinking that people might be feeling pain because of inflation or the rest of it? You'd think that would make you move even more forward when I think what we're saying is we have this anecdotal feeling that things are getting pushed back. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I wish I I wish I had, a you know magic ball eight ball or like fortune teller glass or something so i don't know well you will have a magic ball when we hit earnings season uh in january Woo! yeah or january <laughs> whatever like <laughs> when yeah. earnings are reported for q4 we'll know a lot yeah well i think like uh so amazon i know they they already have launched their, a lot of their black friday stuff already i got an email from them today i think uh whether i yeah i think it was amazon did you get that too well, I mean, here's the other thing, and, and I'm always worried about, like, observation bias, like, making statements like this, because, you know, I ag- aggressively unsubscribe if I get too many emails from someone. Aggressively unsubscribe? What's, what's yeah. the, uh, what's, what's unaggressively unsubscribe? Just deleting the email and forgetting mm. about it until I get the next one. It's like, if you email me, you know, three times or whatever and it's not been relevant to me, then I go find the unsubscribe button. And it's just a function of like, I just get too many emails. So, yeah. Not to promote or anything, but have you checked out hey.com? I know we're going down. Uh, no. So that, uh, I think it's the guys that started Basecamp at 37 Signals, I think. 
Um, anyways, they have this. If it's hey.com, literally h-e-y.com. Uh, it's a whole different approach to email, and so they kind of it's almost like a whitelist blacklist situation hmm. um, on, on how emails get in and where they get filtered. Anyways, you might want to check it out. I, I I start playing with it a little while. I just haven't cut over from Gmail, but anyways, if you have a lot of newsletters, try that out. Uh, that's an interesting approach. Unsubscribe after three emails. Sorry, we're going down a weird tangent. But. Yeah, no, I mean it's we're here. We're, we're dropping all sorts of bombs, like businesses or people. <laughs> unsubscribe after three emails there you go what other value will we deliver i don't know what will you pay for that's what we'll provide probably nothing uh so all right so we got what else do you want to say here on the black friday stuff well okay so here's the other thing is impact.com yes see see what i did there i see what you did there you can you can learn you can teach an old dog new tricks yeah, so I got this email from them that says, Chris, slashing prices builds trust with consumers. Which I was disagreeing with the premise before I opened the email, but I disagreed with the premise so much that I opened the email. So maybe there's a email tactic for emailing me. Like put something ridiculous in the subject line. Agitate, agitate, agitate. <laughs> right, exactly. I wanna I wanna rage open and reply who wrote the subject line. And then the header mission, is essentially mission success. Yeah, mission success. Don't discount the the persuasive power of coupons. So obviously a lot of thinking on this. And I would say that their header in the email is accurate. Don't discount the persuasive power of coupons. Yes, coupons definitely have an impact on conversion rates. But slashing prices does not build trust with your customers. In fact, I would say it's the obvious. And I would contend that you and I have years of experience trying to rebuild brands after we went a little bit too hard with the discounting. Yeah. Uh, well, don't, I mean, depends where you're coming from too on this. Like, I, I agree. I think that subject line doesn't make, it doesn't even make sense. Builds trust with consumers. Why not just customers? Why is it consumers? But anyways, uh, yeah, I, yeah, that that subject line just doesn't make sense. Uh, but the persuasive power of coupons, I remember who's selling this. It's Impact, which is right. coupon heavy, right? right. So it's coupon attribution, right? Uh, and so they had they have an incentive for people to use coupons <laughs> to go through the network. So yeah, I mean, look, people automatically search for coupons and there's toolbars and everything else out there. Um, I mean, I think mission accomplished. The guy should open the email. The I don't really get what this email sale fifty per. What is this image? Yeah, I mean, maybe this was just. And, and here's the other thing: it's like sent in November on November four. So if they were trying to get me to think about doing a Black Friday promo, they're too late. Yeah. See, see, still unsponsored from five minutes ago, right? Planning, especially. Right. I mean, realistically, like if you have an, an influencer or an affiliate program. You're probably a decent sized company, especially if you're on impact because they charge quite a pretty penny for it. These plans are baked. <laughs> and if you're an influencer or you're an affiliate or whatever promoting this stuff, you're way too late. <laughs> like yeah. you got to be locked and loaded uh, weeks ago. Right. So anyways, uh, yeah, I don't know. Is this just an informational email? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's also unique to them, which is, you know, what is the call to action there other than just like to try and keep me engaged as a Did you open this up at 627 in the morning or in the evening? Uh, it's hard to tell because... You have the little this, bed icon, which I think is do not disturb, right? Right, so... <laughs> uh, that means that it was in the morning, Zach. <laughs> okay, all right. That means it was in the morning because... You know, you should not read your email first thing in the morning, right? Well, I've heard that, but... Listen, sometimes the cake's baked. <laughs> and you're reading impact emails at 627? <laughs> uh, listen... I find that rage is a you great You unsubscribed to, so yeah. many emails that now you just get spammed. I find that from, rage from is impact. a great way to get out of bed in the morning. Okay. Like just before coffee even. And right. so, you know, bleary eyed, blinking, you know. Right. <laughs> what impact, does this even mean? Impact emails. <laughs> what? You don't even know me. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, you're asking a lot of good questions right now. Like, why did I screenshot this and then post it in the show notes? Yeah. I, at 6.27 yeah. a.m. At 6.27 a.m. Also, uh, I, I'm surprised you like the dark mode. It's actually really irritating. Oh, That's I love my, the dark mode. I'm preference. all about dark mode. Yeah, dark mode everything. Yeah. Yeah. Too much contrast. What? Uh, I don't know. Zach. Sometimes we have irrecusable irreconcilable differences uh speaking of brightness the new iphone at in the morning even with it cranked all the way down is still way too bright mm. i don't I, think this problem i have not upgraded oh the other thing is i had to turn off the always on screen because legitimately my battery died in like a day not even a hmm. day just sitting on my desk Anyway. The rumor mill is that this is not Apple's greatest hit. Uh, yeah. If it wasn't for the phone that I had before, I wouldn't probably have gotten it. So, mm. Got it. Okay. So seg- segueing into our next topic, we were, we were going to talk a little bit about recessions and recession management because I think that our generation has a little bit of unique experience with this because depending on how you count this, we are going into our third, second or third major global recession. So we were getting started in the workplace in 2008, which was obviously a great year. A, yeah, a truly a uh, terrible year to be getting started. Um, sketchy if you were a new marketing guy, but also learned a lot. Um, you know, the nature of that the nature of that recession was very much like that could have been a depression. Like I, I think that when you read the debriefs on that, you know, the Fed took decisive action to make sure that we did not, you know, nuke the entire global economy, which it could have happened. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I think that the other two were, which are actually probably one, which is I'm thinking COVID in 2020 and then whatever's happening today don't look the same because the underlying uh, under underneath it all it's like the economy wants to be healthy at least consumer sentiments high people are making money the problem is that it's like there's a little bit too much money out there who knew that printing more money than had ever existed in the previous hundred years of the country could uh, cause inflation i mean <laughs> no comment hey, we're uh, all surprised here 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you you hit the nail on the head there. It's consumer sentiment. I think I I don't know what the stat is, but our obviously our, our economy is very consumer driven, and so mm-hmm. as soon as people don't have the confidence to be purchasing stuff, we're in for a world of pain. Uh, that's and then obviously adding in the housing costs and food costs and transportation costs, everything else. So yeah, this this one. Uh, We'll see. I don't know. Uh, every day seems like it's a little bit different. The stock market's going really well these last couple of weeks because inflation's coming down. So, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, exactly. But the real estate market's getting choked, right? Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, it's responding exactly the way the Fed wants it to. They are raising interest rates, and that is dampening buying. Yeah. So, that's absolutely fascinating. Since I sell to real estate agents, I'm hearing a lot about this. Um, you know, and and the luminaries of the industry seem to think that you know the interest rate's going to go to ten, um, and Whoa. so that will drive you know that'll, that'll drive sales down more. That'll um, that'll you know really torture builders, um, and there's a lot of like follow on impacts. There's some interesting things that happen where there is you know the millennials are the largest generation that are that are really entering their peak right now into their peak like buying time. Uh, but if they bought during COVID at, you know, two, 3%, they're essentially stuck. You know, they might want to move because they're having kids or their families are forming or dissolving or whatever. But like, you know, here's a problem for a real estate agent. How do you convince someone to sell a house that they have a loan on at 3% and then buy another house, roll that money over that equity over into a home that like might be more slightly more cost efficient, but is going to be like 7% interest rate. Right. So I'll tell you how you want to know how yeah, this is what the mortgage companies act. are doing. Uh, get a loan today, refi for free in five years. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of like point buying. Uh, that's Not happening. even point buying, just, just refi, just refi right. in five years for free, no closing costs and all that good stuff. Just right. All. Right. But you're kind of making a bet that, Oh, that's what an arm is too, though. <laughs> so, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Turning into a real right. estate podcast now, not a marketing it's podcast. Turn, it's turning into a real estate podcast. But what yeah. I, I guess what I wanted to set the stage for was like I was brainstorming tips for surviving or it, at least like managing economic changes. I mean, negative economic changes. And so I'll, I'll give you my brainstorm list and you can here we go to it. Yeah, exactly. So tip one Get the one applause is, button ready. Right, exactly. Take bold action fast and be ruthless. So you want to try and keep your organization intact with some dry powder, you know, in the tank. So that means that, like, when you see things going in, in the negative direction, you don't say, like, let me see if I can ride this out. You instantly react and yeah. don't wait. Because otherwise, you could find yourself overexposed fast. Okay. Okay. Uh, part two of that is look for opportunities where your competition weakens, right? So because you yeah. took fast action, you might be able to exploit where your where your competition didn't. Right? Give me an example so, of this in real time, though, because you okay, sound I'll, like I'll give you an example in real time. Yeah, so you're yeah. watching you're watching the bids, right? So you mm-hmm. you know that and i'll use real estate industry as an example you know that uh because you're bidding on terms in in an industry on the google ads what was that 
on the Google ads on, on, on the Google AdWords uh, <laughs> that that uh, basically the the metrics inside the auction are going to change. Right. And so maybe initially what's going to happen is as query volume declines, the competitors hoping that they can ride this out are going to either keep their bids the same or raise their bids and like try and suck up that volume. Right. So maybe they overexpose themselves while you pull back, wait for them to realize it's not going to play out. And then you're ready to come in once they've essentially tapped out their budget. So, I mean, that, that's kind of like a prescribed dance. But I think there's a lot of plays like that where if you are, you know, watching the data very closely, there's opportunities to be had. For sure. One yeah. could argue they should be doing that all the time. But yes, I agree. Right. Right. Uh, exactly. That's a good tip, Chris. Very good. Oh, okay. I like your concrete example. Give yourself an applause now. No. I'm not going to do that. That button will never be used again, and I'll probably delete it. Uh, Okay, tip three, (laughs) assess underperforming campaigns and Mm. people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know that's a a good one for you. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yes, you should always be optimizing. I think... uh, even even when times are good, always be optimizing campaigns, operations. It, it's mm-hmm. just, you need to. Right. <laughs> it's, it's just the way it goes. Right, right, exactly. Okay, tip four, be extra sensitive to what your target market's doing, right? So they might still be buying, but the messaging that's causing them to buy might be slightly different, right? They might, yeah. their reasoning might have changed. Yeah. So this is kind of like watching your campaigns Maybe the thing that needs to change is not the bids, not the spend, but the ad copy. Yep. And then we've already. <laughs> you're talked full about of it. insights tonight. You're yeah, just you're well, full of insights. That's that's what I'm in insight. Are these about. on the show notes? Or are you just whipping these off? Where where where, where are these? Wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> Did you read like the brief, Zach? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> I did not. Like. Like we're gonna implement Amazon's approach to podcasting. We're gonna all like sit quietly for the first five minutes and read read the show notes. No, these are not in the show notes. <laughs> I'm surprising you with these. Uh, I, I want to get your like, you know, your raw feedback. <laughs> My raw feedback. Yeah. Well, these are you're you're right. I th- I think that uh, what you said is true. I think uh, if you break it down to the individual person, though, so those are good things for kind of what you should be doing as a team leader, manager, whatnot. But as an individual, I got one more. I got one. Oh, more. here we go. Here we go. Okay. All right. Yeah, because you were, you were going to take it down to an individual, but this one is very much for, for right, leaders. Here we go. Here we so go. you got to obviously be watching your data close. We've already established that. But I also think that you need to be communicating that back to the rest of the organization so that other departments know the direction that you're headed. So especially in the marketing department where you're going to dictate like the sales pipeline or the number of like top line sales, you know, if you see a change coming, you want to be communicating that so that expectations are set properly or other departments that depend on your forecasts know what to do. Aren't you doing that to begin with? You should be. But (laughs) in good times, it gets a little bit routine, right? Mm. And so I think that it's not just like executing, we're executing the annual plan. Okay. 
uh, so from an individual basis, good job, by the way. That's my feedback. Good job. It right. sounds like, you know I, what? I, sounds, as a millennial, I need that constant feedback. It, and, it's, and it sounds it. like you should do a presentation probably again on, you should definitely do a presentation. Ooh, yeah, for sure. Uh, At a conference. Yeah. Well, or, is this, or is this the presentation you're going to be doing and you're just giving it to me now? No, 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 no. This is not that oh. presentation. But okay. I did right. get to do a surprise presentation in front of 1,200 people last week. Uh. Cool. Uh, with an hour notice so nice. we can talk about that some other time that sounds like a good episode <laughs> yeah. uh okay so i look at this as the tech sector and I, we're not really tech we're tech but not tech so a lot of the you know a lot of those big companies are laying off a whole bunch of people now that are that weren't making any money and magically they had tons of people i still can't figure out what seven thousand people did at twitter but anyways Take this as an opportunity to further yourself. They, they, made the, so, they made the icon slightly bluer. Yeah. Hey, actually, I'm really surprised they're able to roll out a pay service in like two weeks. That's actually pretty impressive. I mean, I think that's Elon and his like <laughs> sheer force of will. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's pretty impressive. That, that functionality did not exist and the fact that they got a merchant accounts and everything. Anyways, uh, so look, there's just... It, it, Times are tough, so I think that you should be uh, personally advancing yourself. So learning more, taking on new challenges, new projects. You know, we talked about a long time ago that side hustles. You know, it, work at that, have fun, learn and explore, and, and start getting new skills, um, so you can further and be more well-rounded uh, as, as things get a little dicey. Um, I think that that's that's really important at any point in time. But as things start changing and evolving. You might find that you have a really good skill set or something else you want to be doing. Go for it. Um, so I think just furthering yourself, education. You know, back when you and I were graduating school, an undergrad, the trend was go back and get your master's if you couldn't find a job and just keep going was, and going and that going. That was the worst idea ever. Yeah, I, I think so. Because you have a lot of overly, overly educated people for jobs that don't require it with some crazy debt. Um, so I'm always a fan. Yeah, I'm always a fan of, you know, hands, hands on the keyboard, so to speak, uh, learning, learning by example. So, um, take that as an opportunity to do that. In most cases, experience trumps education. Yeah. Yeah. Or I, yeah, I, I typically agree with that unless you're a doctor or something like that. But yeah, I I typically, (laughs) (laughs) I typically agree with that. Uh, so that's, that's my, I've carved a lot of turkeys. So that's true. I have I've, I, I have your seen appendix? your I have seen your handiwork. You are you are skilled with a knife. Um, <laughs> Next time so you need I, a mole you know, removed, let me know, Zach. That's, ooh, great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I think furthering yourself, furthering your skills is really important on an individual level. Uh, but also just hang out with different teams within your company. Uh, marketing is so close to sales. You know, kind of your point. Maybe the messaging needs to change, and this is your opportunity to kind of get in there and figure out what needs to change and be a rock star. Um, so I think that that's important also too, it's really easy to get doom and gloom from the news. But when you look Mm -hmm. at what's happening, someone said, I was reading an article about, you know, Facebook laying off was like 11,000 people this week. Some, some crazy number. Right. Well, they added 11,000 people in the past year. So they basically just gone back to the same size at the start of 2022. So when (laughs) you see these, (laughs) so when you see these stats, like just, it's not all doom and gloom out there. There's still a lot of really great growth, a lot of cool companies out there. So if you're in the unfortunate position of getting laid off or something, don't lose hope. Just keep going. There's there's so much opportunity out there. I think that's a great point. I think, you know, it, it's, 
I don't know if the t- the tips are great for you know the people working at like the the top you know ten companies uh, yeah. because those those leadership structures tend to be so massive that you know like it's hard to steer the ship in one way or another and I I I think you and I have always worked at mid-sized companies where you can have a lot more agency over your department and your own destiny essentially yeah. Yeah. um and so I I think that's where it, like I kind of come back to that like point one like take bold action because the other thing that comes with that is the leadership doesn't want to see you know, a, oh, we're just going to sit back and take it and let this thing like destroy our business. What they want to see is they want to see someone with a plan and a clear direction of like, okay, this is what we're going to do to survive this thing. I and have a plan. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, standing still and just taking it is not the right plan. You got to, yeah. you got to be moving. Yeah. And I think exactly. typically, typically, you know, when there's a crisis, that's also an opportunity. So, yeah. You know, I, I think isn't that what uh, Charlie Munger said or someone else said? Like in crisis, it, it gets quoted a couple different ways, and yeah. I don't even really know like what the original origin is. But I would say that like that's basically like the theme of my career at this point. Uh, so, ah! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we talked about Twitter and made some uh, made some predictions and. You know, it, it's tempting to think that they were listening to us, Zach. Mm. I don't remember it, what those predictions were, actually. Uh, well, I was predicting that they were going to have a major outage. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Right. Yeah. And maybe it, it was actually manifested in a major PR fail, uh, which is the whole blue check thing, which you guys can all go read the news yourself. But I did find it interesting that they did not do the layoffs with anyone in the office and they basically locked people's laptops before like giving them any sort of notice. Yeah. So there was definitely thought put into, okay, is there an opportunity for internal sabotage? Yeah. Yeah. And I think also my point of like, there will be chaos has bared out. <laughs> there is uncertainly chaos. So I read an opinion piece, and I'm kind yeah. of like rooting for this a little bit, that the downfall of Twitter, you know, that more likely than that will happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest of like the socials in the world, like people are just, okay, now what? Like, let's move on. Like, oh, shoot. Um, let, let, let's move on, right? Like social media was kind of 2.0 web. Or it's just, let's move on. Let's be done with social media. Like, let's just be done. Um and I have to admit, like I, I like that 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 vision. Uh, can't we all just go back to the old ways of things? You luddite. Like picking, <laughs> well, picking up a phone, like just chatting. You know, it, the the argument was you're not supposed to have 500 connections. Like humans are not designed to be able to handle that and have well, like, even a giant if you network. Could, and- like let, let's say that like let's say that Facebook controls Eat itself all the way back to like what would it be 2004 or something like that Mm -hmm. where it really was just like a chronological timeline of people that you knew yeah you know maybe you could have 500 friends and that might work out with you or for you but i think that when you start 
algorithmic algorithmically showing people things that creates the filter bubbles yeah as well as you know like what a lot of uh people are pointing to the problems with instagram and and tiktok right now where it's like the the since the posts are so disconnected to how people actually live their lives the people that just live on social media start to like be actually depressed yeah because they think that they're not successful at life or something when the reality is like they're not you know they're not seeing real life and so i guess i i see that and i believe that those stats i also wonder if that wasn't true when people were watching tv though you know like why isn't my life like what it is on tv and maybe tv is just easier to disbelieve because it's it's tv much more focused like everyone's watching (laughs) the same thing and so it's easier to say like oh well that's just tv versus yeah. you know everyone's watching slightly different you, you know, keep well Instagram you keep flipping you know you keep going through and it's the same thing over yeah. and over and over again yeah yeah I, I, right yeah that's a lot of tangents for one one episode that that is a lot of tangents all for one episode um yeah i mean i was i was just thinking about did you well you don't use twitter at all like i kind of logged back no. on i was poking around and then in a very meta way i was checking out the hashtag love loved where you worked Right, which is the Twitter employees on layoff day talking mm-hmm. about that, and and I thought there was some very it was like it was all very meta, right? Because it was everything that was wrong with Twitter all smashed into like one little microcosm. So you know the Twitter employees obviously love their jobs, and so great for them. It seemed like Twitter had you know an excellent culture. Uh, you <laughs> you mean not working? <laughs> <laughs> allegedly I mean, not they, working they at least like each other like, days. yeah yeah, yeah. I, maybe it was nirvana company i don't know mm-hmm. um but you know a large number of them thought it, it was all about greed you know and it was like elon's greed that was driving the light the layoffs that was a really common theme and it's like this is not i mean he was forced to buy the company and then if you believe what he says that twitter was losing four million dollars a day the you know, the shoe was going to drop at some point. That's like all the tech companies though right now. Everyone that's not making money can't borrow money anymore. So guess what? You got to start making money. <laughs> I had, I worked for the CEO that uh, on would give a new company lecture, like a new to the company lecture. And one of the points on his lecture, it was the first point, was forget everything that you've learned in school and elsewhere companies exist to make money and if they don't exist if they don't make money then we don't have very much fun and if we make a lot of money then we have a lot of fun and i thought it was interesting that he felt that he needed to point that out and i was also very happy that he pointed that out because seems obvious but i think people people forget that (laughs) and i think people forget that yeah yeah exactly I don't know. Like the other observations were like I was surprised how political it all got as well as the like rabble rousing like bots and fake accounts in there. So it was like it was all everything that everyone said about Twitter, like all crammed into one, you know, one thing. So have you logged back in or were you like, ah, screw this? And you just. No, I was pretty much like, ah, screw this. And uh, so I guess I'm I'm not a daily active user. I'm a monthly active user at this point. Not marketers disappointed. The real mountain marketer is disappointed in you. <laughs> yeah, oh, that seems like a lifetime ago. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, if, if Twitter went away, I would not be disappointed. I disappointed or surprised? 
I mean, either of those yes. things. Y- yes. Yes. I, I, yeah, I don't know. We're, uh, we're lining up for our New Year's prediction episode that next year Twitter won't exist. Yeah, you know what? If they go bankrupt. Yeah, you know what? That We should do it. <laughs> Look, I don't want to give any more credit and, and credence to, to Twitter because I'm just I'm so over it. But if they could, if if it goes bankrupt, what happens? Do they just shut down operations and pff, there goes 44 billion bucks? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I I don't. I mean, the, the the investors that own stock got the best deal of their life. Elon yeah. made the worst deal, and then we don't have to worry about either elon or donald trump tweeting anymore because the whole point's moot the thing doesn't exist anymore yeah all right this is this is some interesting stuff to think about it neatly solves so many problems zach maybe this is the real conspiracy uh the deep state deep state made elon by twitter yeah (laughs) so that he could run it into the ground (laughs) run into the ground thereby returning civility to politics there we go there we go yeah make make halliburton secretly in charge of our government again yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all right well, this is fun i think we've talked about a whole bunch of random ass stuff in a matter of well you wanted to talk minutes. about crypto i did because it's such a freaking joke and you know how much i yes i, I yeah you know what let's spend a few minutes on crypto all right what an absolute waste and a joke like seriously just it is so effing stupid uh uh oh, it's it's getting close to time. I know what that means. Sorry, uh, my dog's, I see. Dog's well, pacing. Yeah, yeah. So I don't want to. Uh, All I can say is I, this: I love how the point of crypto was that oh, it wasn't tied to a fiat currency or anything else. And guess what's happening? <laughs> it's well, tied directly so, to the fiat currency. So here's what I've been saying. I've been saying that crypto in the last three to five years has undergone all of the economic transformation that the U.S. economy has in the last hundred. So Mm -hmm. they went from like a gold standard to fully financialized Great Depression level meltdown like in five years. Yeah. Right. So what's next? (laughs) I mean, I think that the original case for Bitcoin still sort of stands. It's like you should be a self custodian of your assets and all the people that got hurt on this are the people that gave the custody of their assets to other organizations. And then those other organizations built up layer of finance layer after layer and layer of financialization. And then the whole thing collapsed, you know, domino style. And, you know, this is, this is the risk, like kind of back to our, our, you know, recession risk or thing is like, yes, the fed could land us, but like, what's the iceberg out there that could cause a bank to fall over, which causes another couple of dominoes to fall? Like, that's the risk, right? And so I think that, I mean, I think that if you've been playing in the crypto space, at least you've received a like pretty good education here in the last, uh, you know, couple of years. But I mean, my Bitcoin's still in cold storage and I'm not letting it go. Dog has entered the podcast. <laughs> dog, dog has entered podcast. Yes, yes. We better wrap this up. I'm about to get a bark here real soon. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Well, uh, anyway, like and subscribe and all that stuff. Where's the music? You know, if social media still exists. 
Where, where's all right, talk to you later, Zach. Where's the music? Oh, I was going to put it in in post. Oh, okay. There but we go. There you go. There, there okay. it is. All right. Okay, bye. See you later. <laughs> okay, bye. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. <laughs>